This program is sponsored by Wicked Chronic in Natick, Massachusetts. Located at 185 Worcester Street, right on Route 9, they can be reached at 508-545-8105 or at wickedchronicvendorcommerce.com. Wicked Chronic is a boutique-style retail shop that focuses on selling counterculture products such as Wiccan cannabis cultures coming together in a unique setting. You need something for that special spell? Go on down to Wicked Chronic in Natick, Massachusetts and speak to Beverly. Tell them Dr. Chris sent you. Check them out today. Welcome to the Dead TV Podcast, a podcast dedicated to all the canceled television shows in the science fiction, fantasy, and horror genre, including cartoons. And I'm your host, Dr. Chris. And I'm Mr. Seneca. And tonight we begin Season 2 of Spawn the Animated Series, the HBO 1990s cartoon series, long before we had The Sopranos, Game of Thrones, True Blood, possibly upcoming Watchmen, which is kind of funny that Watchmen's going to be on uh, HBO. Uh, we had Spawn the Animated Series, which, as far as I can recall, was the first animated series that HBO ever did. Again, if I'm wrong, please leave a comment in the comment section below explaining the other one. But I'm pretty sure this was the first. And we're starting with Season 2, the first three episodes. And Mr. Zemzika has the episode synopsis for us for Season 2, Episode 1. Alright. Uh, season 2, Episode 1, Home Bitter Home, originally aired May 15th, 1998. In the season two premiere, Spawn's nightmares reveal that Al Simmons' killer was his mercenary ex-partner, Chapel. CIA Chief Jason Wins tells Chapel to find a cache of stolen guns before they are uncovered and traced back to him. Ta-da. This is a, uh, <coughs> um, basically, over the next three episodes, we have kind of like a completely different, uh, Kind of a completely different type of uh, story going on with Spawn uh, compared to last season. Well, yeah, last season it was all about the uh, child killer and the Senate run. I mean, all of that was was done in season one. Season two picks up exactly where season one left off, like right where uh, they're getting Cyan back or Cheyenne back. Uh, So, Cyan. Cyan or Cheyenne? I think it's Cyan. Cyan. Ah, man. Okay. All right, so we pick up right where that one left off so that we did not miss a beat. But you're right. Like, this entire uh, first half of the season is really dealing about uh, topics that were brewing within the first season, and then now they're coming to fruition, such as the arms dealings and et cetera. By the way, the director of this episode was a woman, um, Jennifer U. Nelson, and she would go on to direct... Kung Fu Panda 2 and 3. Really? Yes. Which huh. is kind of re- really funny, uh, considering that there's a uh, bit of Kung Fu in this, in this but uh, she's a uh, Asian-American uh, film director, so that uh, definitely makes a lot of sense for her to direct, you know, a uh, Kung Fu-style uh, film about a uh, Kung Fu Panda. I mean, those are great films. I do watch them. Yeah, yeah, I've seen the first two, but I've not seen Kung Fu Panda 3. 
it's actually pretty good. It's actually pretty good. I, I do enjoy the Kung Fu Panda series. You know, my son loves it, so I watch a lot. Uh, but <laughs> uh, the art direction, the coloring, how the animation is actually done is quite smooth. Um, I would say that every single film that they do in the Kung Fu Panda series seems to build upon uh, not only Americanized storylines, uh, but the the um, typically Asian storylines, which are all about honor and family, and uh, you're you know putting yourself as a member to save a larger group. That's always a, a very common theme, and I think uh, Kung Fu Panda Three actually kind of goes along with that. She was also involved in the animation department for The Real Adventures of Johnny Quest, which was the 1990s revival of the Johnny Quest property, which aged Johnny Quest um, and gave. Uh, 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 Lance Ray, Ray Spannon was the, the the other guy in the Johnny Quest team that wasn't his father, um, a daughter actually, um, and uh, it started off with like a Johnny Quest movie where Johnny Quest's uh, we meet Johnny Quest's mom, which was a character never in the original cartoon. Uh, him and his, his mom and dad were uh, divorced, and uh, obviously dad got custody of Johnny, and mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. she is killed by a longtime enemy of the Quest family in the movie, and it kind of s- sends Johnny on a dark path, and they meet a girl named Jessie, who's revealed to be Race's uh, long-lost daughter. Wow, I never saw the series. <laughs> it was really freaking good. I mean, God, there was an episode where they were, where they were fighting some poachers, and an elephant throws a poacher off a cliff, and and uh, there are there's an elephant graveyard below, and the poacher is in shadow, impaled on the bones. And this was oh, like wow. a children's cartoon series. It was really dark. But again, Johnny, Haji, and Jesse were all uh, teenagers this time around, not like ten or ten year or eleven year olds like they were in the original Quest mm-hmm. show. You know, you know, the last place I saw Johnny Quest and his family was in Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law. Have you have you seen that show? I have seen Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law. Um, I haven't seen it in a long time. Uh, I know there was a Wii video game after it, which was kind of a point-and-click adventure. Uh, one of the best episodes of that I ever saw was the da- the Yabba Dabba Dawn, where uh, Fred Flintstone and the Teamsters, it was portrayed like oh, the no. Sopranos. And uh, his can opener <laughs> testifies against him in court, and he yells out, You're dead to me, can opener! <laughs> he cuts off the head of... Um, of uh, What's the name of the horse? Uh, Quick Draw McGraw, and uh, sends it to the uh, to uh, one of the mobsters, kind of like the uh, the Godfather. Like the Godfather. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Oh man. Okay. So we should get back to Spawn here. Yes. Yeah, so get back to Spawn. <laughs> uh, okay. So the film the on the DVD it opens up with what looks like the set for the film crossed with the Friday the Thirteenth the TV series. It's it a, does. It's, it's a like live the two shows opening. are merging. Yeah, it's a live action opening for the series. Now I don't know if every episode opened like this because on the DVD box set, as I mentioned previously, back in the first recording of the Spawn animated series, they cut this together like one giant freaking movie. Mm-hmm. So you saw this as individual episodes. Does that opening sequence appear in every single opening of every episode? Yes. Okay. Uh, but here is the difference. Uh, so. My version has each episode individually, and so the the actual beginning changed, you know, and it adds the live action portions. It still keeps a tiny, tiny bit of the animation stuff, um, but it's a live action, and uh, Todd McFarlane himself has a different pose and scene that he's actually wandering in. 
in season one, he was just sitting there at basically a, a drawing table in a suit, looking kind of, you know, dapper. And so now he's uh, dressed in more casual clothes, and he's perusing what looks like to be a, a vault of mysterious objects. So it calls back Friday the 13th a lot. Um, it's just shelves of, of, you know, weird stuff, taxidermied animals and bottles and wet, ex, uh, wet specimens. I mean, it's, it's just a, a great scene. But with the dungeon walls and all that, it it makes it seem a little bit more haunted haunted house uh, during the the you know the uh, Halloween season, and you have the haunted house tours uh, yeah. that are just basically fright fright places. The um, through the three episodes, we get a lot of Cogliostro's uh, uh, dialogue and poetry, um, and then Cogliostro on the show is played played by Richard Dysart Dysart Dysart. Uh, and I remember hearing him on the news a couple of years ago as he passed away in 2015. Uh, he was actually born here in Massachusetts, um, and he's best known as playing Dr. Cooper in John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh, really? Yeah, and huh. he was also in Back to the Future Part 3, but a lot of people know him as playing uh, Leland McKenzie on Law & Order, sorry, L.A. Law, excuse me, not Law & Order, L.A. Law, for 171 episodes. Wow. Yeah, he was in a... Uh, he has a quite the extensive IMDb list. Huh, nice. Oh, okay. Uh, so, now, uh, Cyan actually refers to Spawn as the sad man. Correct. And, and continues to. Would you think that if you were to actually meet Spawn in person, would he just be goth clown, or would he be sad man to you? Does his sadness come through his exterior enough so a child would actually be able to say that? Because he's, he's kind of a scary creature to a six-year-old. Uh, yeah, but obviously he, I mean, she's already so frightened or whatever, and he extends his hand out to her in a gentle, kind way that she's not afraid of him, maybe. And, mm -hmm. you know, he's got a softness in his voice towards her because she's the daughter of his former lover. So mm -hmm. he treats her differently than he does the bums or Cogliastro or possibly even Sam and Twitch, who he'll meet uh, later this season or next season. Um, so, no, I, I see that she's already so in, she was already so terrified by what, by what happened to her. Like, Spawn acted like the complete opposite compared to what the kidnapper acted like. So, uh, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Kincaid. Wynn meets with Chapel, and Chapel uh, gets into the alley and starts attacking the bums. And uh, while this is all going on, Terry continues his investigation of the stolen weapons. And it's it's basically all Spawn's fault uh, because if he hadn't stolen those guns, Terry hadn't wouldn't have started this investigation into like the stolen weapons, which led back to would lead back to finding out that Wynn is dealing with like armed terrorists and such. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm definitely Spawn was the cause of uh, all of Wanda's pain and agony, even to this day because of this. Yeah. Uh, and and that's kind of what Cogliastro's voiceover is really talking about. That everything that Spawn touches turns to shit. Exactly. Um, and we'll find out. I don't think this is mentioned very much in the in the cartoon, and we're not in season three yet, but. Um, 
Eventually, it's revealed that uh, besides Al, it's it's revealed that t- that Al and Wanda in the comic books actually had a kid. Wanda, well, they didn't have a kid, bring it to term. Wanda got pregnant, and then Al beat her up, and it caused her to miscarry, which just kind of ruined Spawn as a character for a lot of people because yeah. they could accept that him being like this tough as nails, like take no prisoners CIA assassin, which which is probably what sent him to hell, but that wouldn't have sent him to hell if he was doing it because he thought he was doing good. What sent him to hell was the fact he beat up his wife and, and caused her to miscarry their child. What a mindfuck. Yeah, and that's... A lot of people hate that, and that eventually came up whatever uh, in the Spawn comic books later on, so... I don't... Mm. Uh, I don't think... I don't know if I haven't in, gone that part. <laughs> yeah, I don't know I'm, if that's still in continuity or not, so... Yeah, it it does really put that uh, glimmer of anti-hero out of the window. Correct. So yeah. the Violator actually makes some good statements in the beginning of this episode. Yeah, well, the clown does, yeah. He doesn't turn in... I don't think he turns into the Violator at all this season. He's still the Violator. But he doesn't transform at all into the Violator at all this season. No, no, he doesn't actually transform in the episode, but they do show him as, a tra- as the Violator in flashbacks. Correct. Uh, while Chapel uh, is fighting Spawn, Al reminds Chapel of their missions of the past and basically gives Chapel the knowledge that he is Al Simmons, which he can't possibly believe considering he's the one who barbecued him. At the mm-hmm. current time, he's the one who barbecued him. I explained in a previous episode that was all retconned out due to the uh, falling out of Rob Liefeld in Image Comics, and it eventually Chapel sounds a lot like Priest in terms of like you know the what the two how the two are related. So it eventually became a woman who killed Spawn. Like in the movie. Ah. That's why in the movie, it's a woman named Priest, uh, Wayne's right-hand man that killed Al Simmons. It's like a choo-choo-choo. It just like, cut that part out. <laughs> Retcon it. Uh, they had to, because yeah. uh, they didn't... Uh, Rob Liefeld took all of his Image Comic characters, uh, all his characters uh, connected to Youngblood and left Image Comics with them, so they no longer had access to that part of the uh, origin story. Yeah, just, I'm going to take my characters and I'm going to leave. That's, yep, yeah, that's, and that's yep. what happened to Angela. That's why the one and only appearance of Angela was last season, and then... <laughs> yeah. Now she's hanging out with Gamora in the Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> oh, uh, side note here. Have you seen the Infinity Wars movie yet? Uh, yes, I saw the Avengers Infinity War. Okay. How long do you think uh, we'll need to uh, not talk about it before we can actually talk about it on this podcast. I think by the next episode we should be able to talk about it perfectly fine with the spoilers of what happens a little bit here and there. I can't yeah. believe as of the recording of this episode on uh, May 6, 2018, it's already grossed a billion dollars worldwide. Oh, it's crazy, crazy. Uh, you, know, you see the looks of people's faces as they get out of the theaters, like you know they've been through some shit, you know. Um, but I don't want to talk about it on the air here until we leave ample time for people to see it themselves. Exactly, exactly. Um, there's also, uh, as usual with Spawn, uh, flashing images of Terry um, fucking Spawn's wife, and it's like, God, dude, why do you keep thinking about some other man screwing your wife? It turns him on. <laughs> Apparently does. <laughs> I don't even think Spawn has a penis, but he's able to get busy with Angela in the comic books. In the Angela miniseries, Spawn and Angela have a... Uh... <coughs> Excuse me, hold on. Spawn and Angela are, are on the run from uh, 
angels out to kill Angela, and of course Spawn by association, not just because he's a hell spawn, but he's an ally of Angela. Um, and Angela and Spawn, um, fuck. Yep. So they he's got to have something. They're in uh, they're in close proximity to each other, and they're hiding out, and they just give into it, and they screw around. So I'm trying to think. Do you think like Angela screwing Spawn is like Vanessa screwing Deadpool in the Deadpool movie? Because hmm. at the time of recording this, we're two weeks away from Deadpool 2 coming out in theaters. Yeah, uh, which I'm really excited to see, by the way. As of the day uh, of this airing, we'll be about five days away from Deadpool 2 coming out. But considering <laughs> the montage sex scenes that they had in the first Deadpool movie, I guarantee they're going to have some type of... Something the top Deadpool masturbating or screwing Vanessa in this movie with his barbecued penis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have to you have to top the last one, and the last one was an excellent movie. Yeah, and they uh, they had uh the it was it was either Ryan Reynolds or his stunt double in the full Deadpool makeup from head to toe, completely naked, fighting. And there are shots very slow. I mean, they're very quick, but there's shots of his uh his what? penis, yeah, flying around <laughs> while he's being tossed around the room. So I'm just kind of curious what they'll do in this movie. <laughs> But I don't really uh, want to know. You know, actually, I think if it were Spawn in the position there, he could use some of his uh, his energy, his his demon energy, to create whatever Wang size that Angela wanted. Maybe, but we'll find yeah. out more about Spawn and sex in the next season, uh, as we will as we will see. Um, Terry learns uh, who it was that was dealing with the uh, illegal weapons, and then he finds out Wynn is on to him. Yep. And and it's almost a little bit like Enemy of the State, where he finds out some information and, and then there's a chase that incurs and people are, are trying to uh, kill him uh, and, and he's tracking down what he needs to track down to find the truth. You know, he's, he's such a, they call him a Boy Scout and it's completely true. Like, it's his best friend and even when Spawn grabs Terry's head to see into his mind to see what is the truth and what is not the truth. You know, did were they actually screwing before he died? And turns out the answer is no. And well Terry, he also wants to learn if Terry had anything to do with his assassination. Yeah, yeah, and, and that is still no. Yeah, you know, he is completely innocent. He's just a good guy. He's just a good guy. He did exactly what Spawn asked him <laughs> to do was to take care of Wanda if anything ever happened to him. Yeah, and she you know, he definitely took care of he her. He took care of business, yeah, according to the clown, as he's just, like, you know, doing the pumping motion. <laughs> yeah, with his hand down his pants. <laughs> yeah. Uh, clown yeah, masturbating me, clown. Get that image out of your head. Yeah, clown in that scene should have been played by um, uh, Ron Jeremy. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that Actually, much... he would have probably made a good clown, too, but... Yeah, yeah. without any makeup involved, so... Yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, all right. So that ends episode one. Now we're on episode two. Access denied. Access denied. Originally aired May twenty second, nineteen ninety eight. Spawn is tortured by dreams of his former wife Wanda, now sleeping with his one time best friend Terry. And the manipulative clown fuels the fire by trying to get Spawn to blame Terry for stealing his wife. This is basically an episode I didn't think almost anything really important happened. Um, I mean, Clown taunts Spawn and Wynn uh, frames uh, Terry for the stolen weapons by using some early days of Photoshop to do it. Um, yeah. And then Spawn follows the guy. Basically, Spawn's following around Terry and Wanda and the people that are tailing him. Um, 
other than that, I mean, we got some macho assassination assassination people, but in terms of like moving the plot along, it it de- I definitely understand why they cut these episodes together into like one long kind of animated movie, because I just there is nothing that really happens in this episode. There's a giant action scene, but that's about it. Well, what this really does is this. Um uh, Terry gets shot in the shoulder, and so what this does is it sets up Sh- uh, Spawn to be the healing factor for Terry, and so he meets Terry, heals him, says that, you know, uh, take care of Wanda until he comes back, and this, I think, is going to build to understanding that Spawn isn't really against this family, and uh, lead to the eventual understanding that this is Al Simmons. That's really the only thing in this episode that really built the plot out. Otherwise, it's just his insecurity, him uh, not wanting to take action when the bums get beaten. Spawn really seems to be one of those people that just stands around until the shit's already gone down and then he shows up. He's like the laziest anti-hero ever. He doesn't really get into the action. He's not like Batman. He's not going to come and save the day. Hmm. Oh, okay, yeah. So one one of the uh, assassins looks at the female assassins and says, um, they used her badly. And then one of the assassins says, I'd like to use her badly. Jeez, really rapey much? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, she, yeah. he just got told that this woman was captured by terrorists and mm-hmm. used, most likely raped, I mean, that's what they're applying, that she was yes, probably yes. repeatedly raped. And she survived the process, and it's made her, like, bitter and hard and, and a badass. Um, but uh, and, and they couldn't identify the bodies uh, unless the, the, um, by anything other than their dental records. Correct. She, she, w- she just eviscerated them. Just, and this woman's name is Merrick, and she just, you know, blood and guts everywhere. She, her rage at what they did to her was so massive and have this hitman guy going, I'd like to use her. I'm like, like what? Come on, dude. This is your teammate here. Basically. And, you know, he's, he's just asking to be murdered, you know, for committing this. But anyway. Yes. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And that's pretty much, we pretty much just went over everything that happens in this episode because, like I said, there's not a lot for this episode to describe. Uh, other than at the very end, Cognitro gives some hints of his origin to Spawn because Spawn gets tired of his cryptic Obi Wan Kenobi Yoda like uh, messages, and then we find out that Cognitro is possibly uh, has more uh, closer ties to Spawn than than Al realizes. Uh, we know that Cognitro was a former Spawn himself. Why he's not a barbecue pit, I don't know. I don't even remember if they explained that in the comic books either. Um, he, so uh, it's just it, this episode is just a lot of insecurity and posturing and you know Terry's shoulder getting healed. That's really about it. That's pretty much it. Uh, we can pretty much go into episode three. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, next episode number nine, Colors of Blood, originally aired May twenty ninth, nineteen ninety eight, when a pack of drug dealers start terrorizing the homeless in Rat City. Uh, Garib pleads with Spawn to get rid of them. Initially, to no avail, but after a ruthless killing, Spawn takes charge, eliminating all the dealers except the leader. Um, and we also are reintroduced to, uh, I think they were in a previous ep- they were one of the other episodes, I just didn't make much of a note about it. Sam and Twitch come back into this episode. 
Yeah, yeah, they uh, they give chase a little bit in this one. The um, the director of the episode, Mike uh, Vosberg, has worked in the art department for several television cartoon series, including <clears throat> over eighty five episodes of GI Joe, a real American hero, sixty episodes of Gem and the Holograms, twelve episodes of Captain Planet and the Planet Tears, half a dozen episodes of Tales from the Crypt, the TV series. Thir- all 13 episodes of Street Fighter, the animated series, Gargoyles, the TV series, The Bordello of Blood, Tales from the Crypt movie, Superman, the animated series, Godzilla, the animated series, and The Avengers, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, the animated series, which, uh, we, yeah, the one from 2012. Wow, that's quite an IMDb. Yeah, he's also worked on uh, the Hellboy animated uh, movie, and uh, as well as uh, two of the Chronicles of Narnia films, and Journey to the Center of the Earth. So yeah, he's worked in art direction and a lot of things, but he only ever directed three episodes of uh, anything, which were the uh, Spawn, the animated series. Alright, wow. Cool. Also Who worked on the uh, uh, Johnny Quest cartoon series that I had mentioned before. Johnny Quest? I should probably just look that up on YouTube. Yeah, uh, like I said, see if you can find uh, the movie that started it called Johnny's Golden Quest. Uh, again, it was a direct-to-TV, direct-to-DVD animated movie uh, in the early 90s. All right, I'll do that. Um, okay, so so in this episode, we have uh, a group of what looks to be Satanists uh, basically running drugs around the city. And what's so funny about this is that they're not like real Satanists. They're just goth guys that have a gimmick going for them, and... They take church. Upside you know, down take, crosses and uh, crucifixes. Yeah, upside down and, pentacles, you know, yeah. the ridiculous, like, chintzy stuff. Yeah. And so they, they kind of just posture themselves as this religious group, and they, you know, getting cash for drugs in their church. And when this episode opened, I, and, and this all these people were in the alleyway with the bums, I was like, well, this is a very heavy alley. And just turns out they're waiting for the drugs. So, oh, it makes sense. Terry calls home, and then here's Wanda's talking with Wynn as Wynn is trying to win Wanda over to his side that uh, he's doing his, his best to help Terry out. And then Terry continues to be on the run, uh, thinking uh, that his now his wife has joined up with Wynn to, to be out to get him. Yeah, that look on his face of utter shock, knowing that, oh, Jason Wynn got to her. And like, I can't trust anyone. Yeah. Great, great shot. And then you have that... Uh, you have uh, that crazy woman who's singing and dancing in the alley, and the guy, and the, the uh, she gets killed. And it was kind of like this: Are we supposed to? Is this supposed to be just a character they introduce so they she dies? And it, again, it feels like the bums are getting killed off. I didn't feel like the female bum character they introduced uh, really did anything for the plot line. I don't think so either, because if if so, they would have probably introduced her in an earlier episode. Um, so in this uh, season, we show a bum funeral. So take it down to the sewers, and they let the body go, and you know floats out to you know body of water. Lucy, the the lady bum lady, uh, she is so upset. You know this was a good friend of hers. They're doing the mourning and setting him off to sea. But when she runs into these uh, drug dealers, 
she's like oblivious to the the fact that there is danger right in front of her face. And, you know, she gets killed for it. Um, but her funeral was not the typical bum funeral with the sewer. Uh, they basically lit her on fire because the promise that uh, from her husband that he would always keep her warm. I thought that was a little sweet. Um I thought that Dangerous, was a little bit really overly. I thought that was a bit overly twisted. That that uh, okay. So she doesn't like the water, so they're not going to just throw her body into the lake. They're going to set her on fire. The body on fire. I mean, there are better ways to do it than the way they did. They just poured gasoline on her and then set her on fire. I was like, that's really bad. And they did, they did it between the buildings, so oh. you know, probably going to set one of those buildings on fire. But you know, this is a cartoon. Um, I love the fact that Sam and Twitch show up to dish out some justice, uh, cop style, over not getting the answers <laughs> they want. Oh, yeah, and they almost run over one of the bums because they're driving so fast. Exactly, and Sam doesn't, uh, Sam's too busy, uh, chowing down on his donuts and getting fatter. <laughs> yeah, by the dozen. By, by the, the dozen. dozen, yeah, he's got this huge thing of donuts that he's just disgustingly eating, it's just like, okay... Uh, but you gotta love those characters. They're just so mishmashed, partnered, but they work well together. They you um, gotta love them. In the comic book, Sam and Twitch get uh, thrown off the force because of their investigation into Billy Kincaid's father, and it, it causes them to get uh, you know fired from the police force. That they open up their own detective agency. Sam and Twitch. Privatized. Yeah. yeah, and it works. They are they they become a huge resource for uh, Spawn uh, several times over. They're pissed at his methods, of course, but there's nothing they can do about it. Eventually, they rejoin the police force um, during uh, the Sam and Twitch uh, ongoing series written by Brian Michael Bendez, uh, as I said previously, uh, wrote um, several comic books. Uh, but he started out being a Spawn writer uh, for Tom McFarlane, and eventually in 2000 jumped ship to Marvel Comics, where he remained with Marvel for 18 years. And as of last week, or sorry, as of next week, the final issue of Brian Michael Bendis's run at Marvel will 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 come out with Iron Man number 600. Uh, it's being told as the final Marvel issue by Brian Michael Bendez, because two weeks later, Superman the Man of Steel number one comes out the f as the uh, first of his reign on Superman for however long he's going to stay on it for. And he was on Ultimate Spider-Man for 18 years. Uh, he created the character of Jessica Jones, which is now a Netflix TV series. Uh, he created Powers, which was a series that was also on the PlayStation Network. Um, and he was writing Daredevil and the Defenders as well. But he wrote some of the best crime noir stories for Sam and Twitch under their comic book series for X number of issues. You can go online and find out how many he wrote. But they're really, really good supernatural crime stories. Love it. Love yeah. it. And Spawn barely appears in them because it's mostly focused on Sam and Twitch. So um, I, I've heard that this is supposed to be coming like a movie or a TV series. I hope it's actually more of a TV series than a movie because that would be a lot of fun to watch. And you can really make that show formulaic. You know, Sam and Twitch, they get, uh, someone walks into their office, they get the story, they do their investigation, chase ensues, fight ensues, you know, capture the, the bad guy, wrap it up at the end, then have a little opening for another mystery for a future episode. But da formulaic. Sam and Twitch don't appear very much in season two, but I do remember at the time this was coming out, uh, 
there were being statements about that saying, oh, don't worry, in season three they have a much bigger role um, and they get heavily more involved with Spawn. And I'm not going to explain how it is in case anyone hasn't seen season three yet. But uh, yes, they do have a much bigger role in season three and a connection to Spawn, especially considering what happens to one of the two characters. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. this episode ends with Spawn dishing out his, uh, his brand of justice, dragging the uh, drug dealers back into the alley for some of his uh, ruthless judgment. Yep, yep. You know, it takes a lot to actually get Spawn into action, but when he does, there's quite a bit of it. Yeah, it takes uh, some coaxing from um, from uh, uh, Garib, the one bum who's actually stuck up for him, but even he's getting tired of Spawn's shit. <laughs> if you were in the, an alley with such a wishy-washy guy that won't be your friend, but yet defends you, lets you rot, I mean... Who really wants to tolerate this guy? He's like the least athletic of all the superheroes or anti-heroes. And he won't even come to your rescue. Uh, he, he's really just not a very good friend. Um, ComicBookResources.com has a in-depth, exhaustive article written last year around this time about Spawn the Animated Series because it was in... The- Excuse me. It was in 1997 that the Spawn animated series debuted. Uh, so last year was the 20th anniversary of the animated series. Cool. It so does, uh, it doesn't go into a lot of an explanation about like the ending, which never we never really got because the series again only ran for uh, three seasons. But uh, we're all you know, it's been hoping that uh, you know it would uh, it would return somehow. But I, I don't really know. Yeah, I don't really see it coming back, but. Anything can happen. Yeah, but ten years ago, Tom McFarlane had announced that he was going to come back, and uh, Keith David was going to reprise his role at Spawn, but unfortunately, legal issues delayed it, and uh, the rights reverted back to Tom McFarlane. Um, Mm -hmm. So, I don't know, but... uh, Who knows? Well... Hold on. Do you have anything else you want to say about the episode before we go? Uh, Yeah, I, I have the body count for the episodes. Okay. So, in uh, Episode 7, there are two bodies. Uh, Episode 8, there is a total of five, uh, both killed by Spawn and by the Hitman. And in Episode 9, there is a total of six. Uh, Although one was screaming off camera, so it might not have been completely dead. But six total. I'm calling it a six. I thought Spawn wasn't going to kill these people anymore. He was just going to rough them up. Uh, well, I mean, there's, uh, the satanic missionaries do a lot of killing. They kill, they kill Lucy, they kill, um, uh, the head, the head satanist kills his brother, uh, with friendly fire. Uh, Spawn actually, I think, kills the satan, satanic missionaries. Mm-hmm. And, uh, a bum grabs the head of a, of a satanist and impales him. Um, and the, uh, the sex in the episode was pretty toned down compared to the last one, other than the clown giving away, you know, like, being as crude and rude as he normally is, describing to Spawn how Terry fucks his wife. So, that was pretty toned down, so nothing kinky to talk about there. Um, No, although the the clown does talk a little bit more about uh, dominance and submission and power, it's just very slight that he talks about that, but it's the driving force to a lot of hellish influences. Correct, you know, but we also about... have Tony Twist in this episode, uh, you know, fucking prostitutes. 
Yeah, no, nothing like that. Nothing like that. Or Chapel, you know, rear, uh, reaming someone from behind. You know, we yeah. got that in the last season. Yeah, we got we got a lot of sex in the last season. This seems to be the uh, the the uh, the lighter tone season, but the violence is still there. Uh, unlike on Game of Thrones, where the sex is like every single season. So. Yeah, but I'm hoping that Game of Thrones will have a little bit more full frontal male nudity. I love it. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Maybe. Unless you, unless Maybe. You want, unless you want some of that Aaron Greyjoy full frontal nudity. <laughs> uh, not really, but <laughs> I'll take what I can get. <laughs> uh, speaking of Game of Thrones, I just found out, and I, I couldn't believe I missed this, Amelia Clark, who plays, uh, you know, uh, Daris Targa- Targaryen, uh, who, um, you know, fucked Jon Snow in the season finale of last year. Uh, <laughs> I'm not revealing anything else, but the two of them totally fucked. Uh, she's going to be playing uh, this Karelian smuggler in Solo coming out in uh, three weeks. Oh, really? Yeah, a week after Deadpool 2 comes out, uh, we get the, the Han Solo Star Wars movie, and she plays a uh, smuggler in the movie. Wow, she's a main character. She's like the 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 girl that you've seen in the in the uh, previews. There's like two really female characters. There's her, and then there's the robot that uh the the, the droid that's owned by Lando is voiced by a woman. True, but droids are gender neutral, so we can't really consider that a female of the Star Wars realm. But when it's voiced by a woman, it's a it's a female. Hey, droid. it's a droid. Um, and then there's a female Imperial officer, I guess, is pretty big. But yeah. We don't know much about her other than we've only seen her coming off of the shuttle in, like, that one scene in the trailer. So, mm-hmm. um, oh, and then uh, there's also another female. There's uh, Chewie's uh, wife, Mala, looks like she's in That's true. We get a glimpse of her in the preview. Yeah, very interesting, because we've not seen any of Mala since the Star Wars holiday special. <laughs> when they showed... Uh, Chewbacca's wife and son. Yes, and his uh, father-in-law masturbating to some uh, holographic Star Wars uh, pornography of some kind. Now, the only real way to watch the Star Wars holiday special is is completely inebriated on a number of psychotropic substances or with the riff tracks turned on. Or just don't watch it at all. That's that's another way. Just don't watch it. Just, Just do not like feed your morbid curiosity it is garbage watch spawn the animated series and that's pretty much all we have to, uh for these three episodes of season two of spawn the animated series you yep. can join us on the dead tv podcast on facebook or send us a email there at that radio at gmail.com and you can also find us on twitter at chris d sav and at elegantly kinky and if you feel like you would like to make a donation to the dead tv podcast <laughs> to help us pay for the storage of the Dead TV podcast and any other fees that we happen to deal with, you can uh, go to our Patreon at Radio of Horror. If you're a local business that would like to be part of the Dead TV podcast, such as Wicked Chronic and Native Max Massachusetts is, if you're in Pennsylvania or Massachusetts or anywhere else in the continental United States or in Europe or all over the world, but uh, we... We, we want to advertise you! We will advertise you. I just don't feel as though we will have as much luck overseas as we will probably in the continent of the United States. It's just I'm not I'm not discounting the, anyone outside of the United States who wants to become a uh, sponsor of the show. I'm just saying that I think we would have better luck with people within the United States. Um, so any business uh, that you feel as though would be relevant to the show, please let us know. And thank you once again for tuning in to our show here on the Radio of Horror Network.